guys, it's Carly. Welcome back to Mostly Balanced. It has been a while since I've said that. We've been on hiatus for a few weeks and I'm so excited to be back. Of course, it feels bittersweet because this is my first episode recording without Mia. In case you missed the announcement we made on Instagram, Mia is no longer with Mostly Balanced. She has decided to pursue her career outside of the podcast and it was a tough decision, but we are both really excited for what's next. And I'm excited to just dive into these new episodes. So I have a great lineup of guests. I've already recorded a lot of great episodes and I can't wait to get them out. I was going to start with a solo episode today where I talked all about the transition and what to expect from the podcast, but I loved this particular episode so much that I couldn't wait to release it. So today's episode is with Jeff Gunther, who you might and probably do know as Therapy Jeff on Instagram and TikTok. And we really just talked about so many great dating topics. We talk all about his upcoming book, which comes out in July. I already pre-ordered it and I highly recommend you do the same. It's called Big Dating Energy. I'll link it in the show notes. Today's episode, we talked all about situationships, questions to ask yourself when you're in a casual relationship or a situationship to make sure that your needs are being met and for what to do if they're not. So if you're not happy in the situation, what can you do to change it and ultimately How can you get over it and move on if that's what you decide to do? We also talk a lot about just issues with modern dating today, why it might feel like it's so hard, and really, really good advice about how to meet people outside of the apps. So in real life meetings, which you might think are dead, but we get really into it and give tangible advice for how to get approached in public or how to approach someone in public. So highly recommend taking notes because this is how you're going to meet someone in real life if that's what you're looking to do. And then we end the episode with listener questions, two really great ones that we really dissect and get deep into. So I hope you love it. As a reminder, I always answer listener questions in solo episodes and we'll be answering them with guests moving forward as well. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on the podcast, please send it over Instagram in DM with as much detail as you can, your age, who you're dating, what the history is, what your issue is, what you want us to talk about, send it to Mostly Balanced Podcast on Instagram, or even better, send me an email to hello at wearemostlybalanced.com. I, in the future, I'm going to be diving into a couple of lighter listener questions in the beginning before getting into the guest episode, but this episode is on the longer side, so I really just want to jump right into it. So I hope you love this episode with Jeff. It's one of my favorites so far. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me so much, especially with this next chapter of Mostly Balanced. I am so grateful to have all of you here listening, all of you following along on Instagram. And it's really such a great community that we're building. So thank you all so much for being here. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Gunther. He's a licensed professional counselor, and he's the face behind at Therapy Jeff on TikTok and Instagram. He also has a book coming out this July, which we're going to talk more about, Big Dating Energy. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Jeff. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. You, Before we started this podcast, you sent me like a list of questions, and it was kind of like a novel of questions. There are so... <laughs> Many questions. I can't imagine we get to most of them, but I am prepared. I'm ready for it. So Jeff is going to be here all night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also a writer, so that's why I just can't Mm. be concise in anything that I do. 
but I do always like to start just by having our guests introduce themselves. So can you start just by telling everybody a little bit about you, where you're from, where you live now, and then just a little bit of background on what you do? Sure. I was raised in Santa Monica, California, in beautiful Los Angeles. Uh, I moved away after grad school. So I got my graduate degree, USC in marriage and family therapy. And right when I was done, I moved up to Portland, Oregon, uh, before it was cool. I think I made it cool, actually. (laughs) And right when I got here, I started my private practice as a therapist. And I've been practicing for almost 20 years now. I also, like during the pandemic, got bored one day after I watched all the seasons of Survivor (laughs) and decided to like mess around on TikTok and start posting content as like a little creative challenge. And it took off immediately. And that's how Therapy Jeff was created. And that's how I found you. And was your content always dating focused? Mm, Well, the first three videos that I posted on TikTok, which are no longer on my TikTok, were just like me doing like funny skits (laughs) that uh, not a lot of other people thought were funny. Like they weren't like anything. <laughs> I was just like being really silly and that didn't work. And then the fourth video that I posted went viral. And that was just like, here's five questions you should ask your therapist the next time. Mm. And that was like during the, I mean, it's, I guess it's still kind of going on today, but like that was when TikTok and all the Genzers were like obsessed with diagnoses and self-diagnosis and stuff. And so I was like, maybe just ask your therapist what your diagnosis is instead of because like <laughs> to tell you. So there you go. There's your diagnosis. And then and then it started to kind of like pretty quickly like veer into relationship advice because I'm like mostly a couples counselor and relationship therapist. And that's what I talk about all day with my clients. I like for most of my career, I was like specifically focusing on people that, that feel anxious in relationships. Mm. So like in a classic anxious attack or like feelings of codependency, stuff like that. And do you still take clients? I feel like we're definitely going to get questions about that. No, I do not. I still see clients, (laughs) but I only- But not new clients. No new clients. And uh, I like, you know, with almost 20 years of like a private practice, I have a bunch of old clients that come in and then go away and then come back in. So they all sort of like recycle through and it's made for a nice, easy practice. It's interesting that you say that most of your clients in the beginning were coming with feelings of anxiousness in relationships, because I remember feeling like that like wasn't a reason enough to go to therapy. Like, I feel like I went to therapy a few times when I was just dealing with relationship issues that just seemed like run of the mill. And this was also probably before therapy was like, cool. <laughs> so I almost felt like nobody was really talking about it. It's probably like 10 years ago. So if I went and saw a therapist, I would feel silly being like, oh, I'm just here to talk about my dating life. But do you feel like that is still what a lot of people, especially in the younger generation, go to therapy for? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The vast majority of people go for like these relationship issues. And a lot of times, yeah, it feels like it can be really, you know, you, you invalidate yourself Mm. saying that they're not like good enough for therapy. That's changed because yeah, therapy is definitely trending since the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) But before that, yeah, lots of people would be like, I'm only going to go to therapy or you should only go to therapy if you're like experiencing some sort of trauma. And back then, when I became a therapist and even way before that, it was actually a little tricky to have a thriving therapy practice Mm. because there wasn't like as many people coming in. And now if you're a therapist, it's like you're full automatically. There's so many people asking for that. It feels like there's not enough therapists anymore and there isn't enough therapists anymore. 
which is, you know, good that lots more people are going to therapy, but it's hard because it's hard to find a therapist these days. Yeah. Okay. So before we chat about all of the topics that I sent you in the novel, <laughs> I like to start with a little bit of a rapid fire just to let all our listeners know a little bit more about you outside of what they may have seen on social media. So let's start with what's a topic that you could talk for hours about? Um, Mario Kart. Ooh, really? Do you play often? Well, I mean, Mario Kart has been a game <laughs> for like 30, over 30 years. Yeah. And I've played every single Mario Kart and I'm amazing at it. I will fucking destroy anybody I play. <laughs> and it's it's also like my go-to self-care thing. If I just want to like mm. calm down and distract myself, I play Mario Kart all the time. That's a good self-care. Isn't it? What are three things that you can't get through the day without? Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to like expose me. <laughs> <laughs> Besides a phone. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be able to get through without a phone. So let's, yeah. Um, peanut butter. I am constantly eating peanut mm. butter uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then like uh, before bed, I'll, I'll eat a scoop usually. Um, let's see. What else? I, a lot of times I... I like I, I go through my collection of graphic tees. I'm not wearing one currently. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of like not wear them as much as I used to. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> but like I love a good like graphic tee collection, specifically like a 90s alternative rock band tee. And even if I don't wear them, I have like lots of drawers full of these graphic tees and I enjoy going through them. <laughs> uh, so like it's a fun thing that I collect and what else oh god I mean this feels really basic and is sort of connected to peanut butter but my <laughs> Vitamix I eat a smoothie every day I actually it's not even like a good healthy smoothie it's just like four it's like fruits milk peanut butter and protein powder but I make a smoothie bowl and I pour really tasty granola into that bowl and I eat it. I think we're the same person. You're just <laughs> describing my days. I don't have that many graphic teas, but can't live without my Vitamix and I eat peanut butter for every single meal. So, <laughs> And I love doing it in the bowl. I feel like my smoothies are all bowls. You always eat it with a spoon and there's always lots of granola. Yes. <laughs> Okay, last one. What have you dreamt of being famous for? Like, what are my actual dreams, or what am like, what am I dreaming at night, or what do I fantasize like what, about being famous for? If like fantasize, mm, I would fantasize. I fantasize about being. I mean, it used to be like I fantasized about being a major league baseball player, and that then that turned into like being a rock star, even though I can't sing and play no instruments. Um, and now it's more like something a little bit, maybe more realistic where like, I'd like to be a professional, like storyteller, like mm. somehow get some sort of show or special where I'm just like talking about my life. Um, I'm a little, you know, narcissistic in a healthy way. And I think that I'm a pretty good storyteller and I like to interact with like audiences. So that's what I fantasize about. I think I can see that for you for sure. And that kind of brings me to the first question I wanted to ask. So about your book, tell me how it came to be and tell everybody more about what's in it. Sure. So yeah, so I started the Therapy Jeff account back in September of 2021. And I started going viral and getting a bunch of followers. And sometimes when that happens, you get uh, literary agents that are reaching out to you and saying, you should write a book. You're amazing. And I'm like, I know, I'm amazing. I should write a book. <laughs> uh, and there was, so there was dozens 
And my ex-wife, I had just gotten a divorce from my ex-wife, like right before the pandemic. She's a writer and she's written a few novels. And I was like, hey, Kate, like all these literary agents want to sign me. And she's like, first of all, fuck you. I've been trying to like (laughs) make this a dream of mine forever. And I was like, it doesn't just naturally happen. That's weird. But she helped me go through like the list of agents and whittle them down to ones that are like actually really good and legit. And then I interviewed them and I picked one and I talked to to her and she was like, what do you want to write? And I was like, I think I need to write my memoir, obviously. Like I'm that (laughs) impressive or important. And then I like sat down to write my memoir and I was like, this is incredibly difficult and really hard. And there's actually like... It's a real emotional journey that you have to go on, which I feel like I've gone on lots of emotional journeys through therapy and stuff like that. But it's just like, ugh, I don't know. There's a lot of like anger or frustration coming up while I'm writing this. So mm-hmm. I canned that pretty quickly. And then I was like, I'm just going to give the people what they want, which is dating and relationship advice, because that's what people follow me for. So then I told Kate, still my ex-wife, that I was going to do that. And she's like, that's a great idea. And if you need any help, then let me know. And so Kate became my co-author. Wow. Yeah. So I wrote all, you know, about all the different stages of relationships, starting with like why you are the way you are or why you date the way you date. Like what's wrong with you? Let's blame your parents. Let's blame (laughs) capitalism. Let's blame Disney and society. And then like first dates and getting on the apps or meeting people in real life and then honeymoon period and then long-term relationships and lots of different things that could happen in long-term relationships and then how to break up with your person, how to get out there or just be single. It turned out to be like 12 chapters. Kate became a co-author because she's like an amazing editor and knows me really well. And uh, so yeah, so now the book is done and it's available for pre-order and it comes out on July 9th. Pre-order now. This book is going to be amazing. One of the things that I don't love about social media is there could be a page like yours where there's so much good information, but it's like really not easy to like search through for like this one post, even if you save it, like my saved folder is packed with all these valuable posts. And I see people saving my posts, but it's like, how often do you really go back and find it? I always wish you could like search it. But your book is going to be something that people can just like have in their home and flip through at any time. I think that's going to be so awesome. I can't wait to read it. Thank you. And uh, like you, I have I have lots of save videos and I have never once gone into my save folder. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what the fuck. I don't know why I save anything. I mean, if you're listening, keep saving the content. But <laughs> yes, yeah, it's help, it helps <laughs> us. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So speaking of dating, because that's all we're going to talk about today. What do you think is the biggest obstacle with modern dating right now for people who are single? Uh You know, I don't know. I I thought about this question a lot. There's lots of things. And the thing that like came up for me today was I, and maybe you hear this, maybe you experience this. Like a lot of people say that there's just like no good partners out there. Like there's just sort of like, there's no one who's really emotionally intelligent enough or who's like a good fit enough. There's just sort of like scraping the bottom of the barrel. And even like as you get older, then it becomes even worse out there. So I think that that's true. I think that like to a certain degree, I think that it's hard to find. It's hard to find a good match. It's hard to find somebody who's like a good fit for you. 
And I think that it's partly because we're becoming maybe a little bit more specific Mm. about what we want to find and like trying to figure out, you know, uh, we have like a a long list of things that we want to find in a partner, which makes it so that it's like harder to accept somebody who's just a normal person and flawed, Mm -hmm. you know, like you and me, you know, we have like positive, lovely, attractive things about us, but there are like some red flags and, and imperfection here and there. And sometimes when we see that in our partners, we kind of like quickly detach or leave them or think that there's like an endless supply of people that you can swipe on, on dating apps, which really feels very real, right? So I'm not saying that like it was better back in the olden days when people just stayed together, even though they didn't really want to, or they just were like like forced to accept each other, even though they had very different values. Like I'm not one of those like old fuddy duddies. I'm just saying that like, it seems like there's a lot of turnover in relationships and that's not even a bad thing or a good thing. Like, good, go get your needs met or good. We don't have to be in one long relationship for the rest of our lives. You know, we can have like three to five really important long-term relationships, whatever, like absolutely no judgment there. But I hear a lot of people complaining that there's not a lot of good matches out there. And it's because maybe they're just like not hanging out for as long as they could possibly. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think that's true too. I recently put up a question box that was like, share your unpopular dating opinions, just like things that you believe that a lot of people don't. And somebody said, you shouldn't work through conflict until you're in a defined relationship. Do you think that's true? Interesting. (laughs) 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 I mean, I kind of get a lot of flack sometimes when, you know, like if you start dating somebody and you get into that like uncertainty period, like nothing's really defined quite yet Mm -hmm. and you're feeling kind of anxious and you want like more texts or more feedback or more connection in the early days. I'm usually just like, ask for it, babe. Yeah. Like tell them what you're expecting. If they want to meet it, they will. If not, then that's good information from you. And even within those early days, there's a little bit of conflict, yeah. right? Like there's going to be like slight disagreements and those are really important opportunities to see if you can like navigate these like slightly rough waters together. That being said, if there's huge conflict, big fights, lots of drama in the first month, probably a bad sign, right? But I think it's totally fine. I think we should try to navigate conflict as much as we like have the resilience for it, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. Like I've definitely been in relationships where it was like an uphill battle to even get to the relationship and that shouldn't be the case. Like Mm. you shouldn't be fighting to even have the relationship, Mm -hmm. but like conflict, I think it's almost like a red flag if you don't have conflict before you're actually like, I wouldn't really want to get in a defined relationship with someone until I know how they handle like a little bit of a disagreement. Yeah, exactly. It's... We all have like these really different opinions, like our our opinions on relationships feel like they're just as polarized as our, you know, feelings about politics and everything. So everybody (laughs) is sort of like on the spectrum and it's hard to find somebody sometimes that's like closer to where you are on the spectrum. Yeah, I like what you said about if you want something, ask for it, because I think that a lot of people and like, I definitely have been like this in the past too. You kind of just you want to find someone who's just going to know everything that you want and give it to you. And it's like, almost like you think you don't have as good of a relationship if you have to tell somebody Mm -hmm. but like, I personally love if I tell my boyfriend that I want something and then he starts doing that. It's like, (laughs) okay, that's great. It's not any worse than if he just did it out of the blue. It's actually good to know that they're listening to you. Exactly. And if they, whether you're like in a new relationship or an older relationship, 
if they like you, they're going to want to like meet your needs. This is, they're going to be really happy mm-hmm. that you're clearly explaining what you're expecting or what you're wanting in relationship. And then they're going to do it hopefully as best they can. And then you're going to figure out if that's good enough for you or if you need to give them even more feedback, right? But I, I feel like a lot of relationships, especially at the start and out throughout, But especially at the start, you're kind of training your partner to see if they can be the partner you want them to be. And they're training you, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. I saw you posted a video about hating Hinge and like just your opinions on dating apps. I was cracking up about it. But obviously, so many of the questions that we get are about dating apps and how to like be smarter about using dating apps or how to get better matches. So do you have any tips on just like how to get out of the cycle of just like there's so many options to being more intentional and finding matches that are better for you yeah i'm interested to hear a little bit more about your advice because i'm always looking for more views but i think one of the things that you need to keep in mind is that when you're using a dating app can you try to use it and this might not be realistic for everybody but can you try to use it while you're in a good mood and feeling optimistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that really makes a difference you're feeling more playful, you're feeling more flirty, you're feeling more optimistic, that energy is coming through. You're probably getting somebody that's responding to it really well. You, you like establish nice banter. But if you're on a dating app and you're like, I fucking hate this. This is horrible. I hate myself, my stupid profile, all these <laughs> dumb pictures of men holding fish. What the fuck? I'm going to throw my phone out the window. Like that... <laughs> Is not a great attitude, although a valid one to have. Like, I totally get where that's coming from. But I need you to, like, put your fucking dating profile on pause mm. and and come back when you're feeling more optimistic or at least 51% positive. Otherwise, I don't see it working. Otherwise, you're just going to scan for all the reasons why these apps are horrible. They are horrible. They're made by tech bros that have a bunch of investors who are wanting to make a bunch of fucking money off of your desperation. Like it's not there, in my opinion. Mm. They're not there to like really make you fall in love because then they've lost a paid user, right? Like we know what's going on. Yeah. But if you can like be in somewhat of a good attitude, get in, get out, then that's what I would recommend. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I love the advice of just spilling on it when you're in a good mood. It made me think of like doom scrolling on Instagram or social media. And like, I definitely used to doom swipe. And like, I would be swiping in the morning at like seven when I woke up and I was like, not really in the best mood. It was just kind of like, oh, I should go on the app. It was kind of like a routine. And I was never really being intentional when I was just using it as a routine. So I also just think viewing it as like a fun thing. Like I just I like have fun with it. You don't have to put so much pressure on it. Dating in general, I think go up to someone in public and like introduce yourself or talk to people more in public, remind yourself that that's an option too. I think that then that will take pressure off the dating apps and just diversify the way that you meet people. Yes. Do you, do you actually, do you, have you approached anybody in public? Like, do you have pickup lines? (laughs) Is that what you, (laughs) has anyone like flirted with you? I don't have pickup lines that I've used, but I feel like when I was single, I used to love going into public places and reading a book because it's such such an easy way to have somebody come up to you and just ask you what you're reading. And just, it's like an easy opener for them. I just think that like, even if you're just being more chatty, I don't know, (laughs) tell me what you think, but this might sound weird, but even if you're just being more chatty with like, the cashier at like a supermarket or the person at the coffee shop or something like just like even if it's like somebody that you're not even interested in like or someone of the gender that you're not interested mm-hmm. in just talk to people more I feel like just gets you more comfortable doing it than in any setting and also it puts like the vibes out to the universe that you're open to meeting people that way 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there is this sort of like open energy that's really important. And there's actually, there's been like lots of, oh my God, what is the name of this book? I can't remember the author, whatever. Just trust me that there was like a book (laughs) that uh, was really (laughs) popular among therapists where these like four psychologists went out to bars. This was back in like the 90s. So consider that, I guess we've evolved a bit. But uh, where these like psychologists would go out to these bars and they would study people that were like flirting with each other and hooking up with each other, like strangers that were meeting like out in the wild. Yeah. And there was lots of like gender role stuff that was going on that still kind of, you know, plays out today. But a lot of the time, like, so they studied heterosexual couples and they found that there was these patterns where like the woman might be like sitting at the bar and she would go ahead and look at the boy you know and she would like make eyes at the at the guy for two to three seconds and then look away mm. it's a sort of like classic like i'm making eye contact oh i'm so embarrassed <laughs> or, like i'm just like i'm playing coy or whatever yeah. you know what i mean we've all we've all seen that move and if the guy was interested they would clearly take that as a sign and go up to them. And so the woman kind of like gave this, like, you can talk to me and I'm giving you flirty eyes. And then the guy would go there and then they would start talking. And then there was a thing that would happen where you would start to like mirror the body language of the person that you're talking to at the bar. So if you pick up your drink with your hand like this, and they would pick up their drink with their other hand mirroring your body language. Or if you if you leaned right, they would lean like left, like on the same side as you, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, then there's like mirroring body language, which gave the sign to the guy to like continue to like be open and flirty. Usually it was the woman who like touched the guy, like touched his elbow, like brushed his shoulder or something like, like patted his arm or something. And then the the guy would start doing that. Or the woman would then be like, well, you should ask me out. You should ask for my number. Or what are you doing tonight? Like the woman would keep on like opening up and the guy would sort of like do what they're supposed to do. Right. And just kind of like, but it was giving them like these really clear signals. And that, and what you're saying is sort of like reminding me of that. Like as long as you are open and you give clear signals, then people might approach you. Yeah. Wait, so were the men like subconsciously, they would just go with it because of those little signals that they were being given yeah subconsciously and they weren't even like deliberately reading these signs they weren't like oh she touched my arm i can touch her too it was just something that Mm -hmm. like naturally happened but in these examples most of the men were like i'm going to wait for a clear sign yeah to like move this to the next level and and when the when the sign wasn't there and the guy would try to move it to the next level when it wasn't quite there yet the woman would shut down and that would be that usually yeah yeah so it's interesting Yeah, that's such an interesting way to think about it. I also think you can get wrapped up in like deciding what you'll say or like thinking of a pickup line when you can literally just say something so easy, like what drink are you having? Or like, what are you, what, what do you usually order here? Oh, like you're at the grocery store. Like, oh, where did you find that item? Like just like something like so easy just to start the conversation. Yeah. And you'll get a good read on like how they respond. If it's a one word answer, they might not be interested. If they try to have a conversation, keep on talking. You don't have to be the most creative, like flirty person out there. You just got to open it up. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about was situationships. And I told you this beforehand, but I saw a post that you had recently, which was questions to ask yourself if you're in sort of a casual relationship or what some people call a situationship. Can you share what a couple of those questions are? Yeah. 
I really liked this video and it didn't get as go as viral as I thought it should have gone, which is very frustrating. I thought it should have been like a million plus right? views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because I like, I, I, some of the questions were that you should ask yourself is, do I feel clear about what this relationship is and isn't? And does it align with my wants and needs? And lots of people are just like, cool, I'm out on number one. Fuck, I don't, I don't even know. I've never asked myself this. Yeah. Uh, and then it went into, are we able to communicate openly about our feelings, expectations, and boundaries? Do I feel respected in this relationship? Even in this casual setup, are my emotional needs being acknowledged? Do I feel physically safe and satisfied? Does this relationship allow me to maintain my independence? Do I feel like the investment that I'm making, like the energy that I'm putting into this situationship, that I'm I'm like receiving it back in the same way. Does the relationship bring me joy and positivity into my life? Am I comfortable with the uncertainty regarding the future of this relationship? Does the situation affect my self-esteem in a positive way? And do we have a clear understanding and agreement on how we might change things or end the dynamic? And if you're trying to write these all down, we'll just link the post and you guys can go and watch the post. (laughs) But I mean, by the way, I feel like all of these questions are great for any relationship, even if it's like a defined relationship. It's just like getting clear with whether you're getting what you want out of it. Yeah. And I, I, but I think that like people just naturally don't ask themselves these questions in a casual Mm -hmm. or situationship sort of relationship. And it's just like, no, you still can ask for your needs to be mad and figure out if you're getting what you're getting out of this is what you want to get out of this. Right. And you can, and it can, and it doesn't, and it can just be casual. You can just see them once a week or every two weeks or whatever it is, and then go on with your life. One of the like lovely things I like about like a casual relationship is that I have a lot of independence and I can go do all the things and that maybe my emotional investment isn't as deep as it would be in the more long-term connected relationship. And it leaves more space, you know, Uh, but you still have to be, it's still best to be like on the same page when it comes to the amount of the emotional investment that you're putting in there. Yeah. Cause if for like yourself, if you've been in casual relationships or situationships, have they always been like out of choice? You want it to be a casual relationship? Oh, yes. Cause I feel like (laughs) this is like a gender stereotype, but I feel like in male female relationships, the female like never really wants it to be a situationship. They're just like going (laughs) along with what the guy wants. That is, yeah, that is a stereotype. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Am I like fitting the gender role stereotype? I think I am. I I think we both do. Yeah. (laughs) I am. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I think all of them or maybe almost all of the like casual relationships I've been in, they've been casual because I've wanted them to be. But they don't last very long. Right. Maybe I don't allow them to last very long mm-hmm. or she doesn't. One of us doesn't allow she it. She wants like, more. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if she wants more and it feels imbalanced, then I start to feel guilty yeah. and like uh, bad. And I worry that like you're going to resent me. Mm. There was there was one relationship where soon after my divorce, where I was in a casual relationship and that was just such a clusterfuck. I was Mm. not, I was like, not quite sure about what I wanted. I was really, I was like, I wanted a casual relationship, but I also sort of like a part of me desperately wanted to be in a more connected relationship. And so I was sending extremely mixed messages, which was not okay. I was trying to be honest with myself, but I was having a hard time doing that because I just wanted connection. Mm -hmm. And it was not the, what I should have done is not dated. Like I shouldn't have like, 
come out of my divorce so soon and like hit the market, right? Yeah. I should have just like taken my time. But a lot of times at the end of long-term relationships, especially especially ones where you're just like, the end of it was like, you knew that it was going to end and you're sort of like pre-grieving the relationship. Sometimes the relationship ends and you're like, oh, I did my grief while in the relationship. Yeah. Which is a bunch of bullshit. You actually like physically can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you convince yourself that you have done that and yeah. that you're ready to hit the market. And that's what I did. And I, it was just incredibly messy. And I hurt somebody that I you know, by sending the mixed messages until she, until she just got tired of me, understandably. <laughs> so I think that was like my messiest casual relationship. And, and since mm -hmm. then, I think I've stayed away from them mostly just because I usually look for something a little bit more connected. Because a lot of times, like, even if I want a casual relationship, the way that I connect with somebody is by being like, so how are you really feeling? You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and sometimes that will like lead to a really connected relationship and it makes it tricky for something more casual. Yeah. This is so interesting because my, one of my friends is dating a guy right now and he, they started, they met and he had just got like a couple months ago, gotten out of an eight year relationship mm -hmm. and she wants a more serious relationship, which like now it's been two months or so and she's told him and he keeps saying he just wants something casual and she keeps saying like oh, I'll see how long I can do that mm -hmm. like well and it's like kind of reminding me of that because like what you said about you might do things that make it seem like because like I think there's part of him that's just either like so used to right. having that like connection deep connection or that serious relationship that like then he's sending signals that kind of make it seem and she like reads into each one of them it's like well he did this though so like he must want something more serious and I'm like no you have to listen to what he's telling you he doesn't want something serious yes like believe him when he says that yeah uh, and it's but it's it's hard though to end those relationships because it's like oh but if I like read the tea leaves or sometimes he acts this way and mm -hmm. it feels incredibly connected connecting if he's giving you mixed messages it's sort of like i don't know getting mixed messages is usually somewhat of a red flag and how long do you want to sort of stay in a relationship that you have to like analyze and also feel a lot of anxiety about because you can probably go find somebody who's super stoked yeah. to be in a more committed relationship you know exactly and i think i'm thinking of one like situationship that i had that definitely went on for longer than it should have and that like I really had a hard time getting over it, like harder than I feel like getting over it, like a real relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a lot of that is because I was like, kind of always thinking about like what the relationship could have been. And so I was really like mourning, like the relationship that I felt like we could have had if we really gave it that like full chance kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for somebody who is trying to get over something like that, where that they feel like it never really got to what it could have been? Oh, that's so hard. Uh, <laughs> there, there's because uh, there can when you're in a situation ship and and maybe you're like on the fence about whether or not you actually want to be in that type of relationship with that person. There's something actually kind of addictive about it. Mm -hmm. It's this like what like therapists will call like intermittent reinforcement. If you have intermittent reinforcement of anything, then that creates like the most amount of addiction. So if you don't know when you're going to get your next dopamine hit, if you don't know when you're going to have your next sex, if you don't know when you're going to like see them next, and it's like randomly you're getting these things, but you don't know if you're going to like, it's, it's the same sort of intermittent reinforcement we get from social media apps. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're scrolling, like waiting for that dopamine hit, because sometimes every now and then we're going to get it, but it's super random. So knowing that there is like an addictive quality uh, and that you feel like you are really into them, but it might just be like your neural pathways were exploding. 
and the chemicals were going off in your brain. You weren't as into them or as in love with them as you thought you were. That can sound sort of invalidating to some folks because they might be like, no, there was something incredibly special here. So there might be something special. And also there could be like this intermittent reinforcement where there's like an addictive quality. Mm-hmm. But just understanding how your brain is operating in those situations can sometimes be kind of relieving or, li- or liberating. But like you're saying, it's natural whether you're like aware of it or not you're going to fantasize about what a future could be with them. And if you don't get to play out that fantasy, then it just stays a perfect fantasy mm-hmm. <laughs> where there's no problems and no issues. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you have to grieve this perfect future that you are about to have with this person. Yeah. That fucking sucks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important to sometimes like make a list of all the reasons it didn't work out. Make a list of all the qualities or things about that relationship or person that weren't like a good fit for you and continue to revisit that list and add to that list and look at that list whenever you're feeling like, you know, your googly eyes for them again, because it didn't work out for a reason and you deserve to be with somebody who's actually available. Um, yeah, go to therapy. Talk to your friends. Yeah, I love that. And look at that list anytime you want to text them. Instead yes. of texting them, just add one more thing to the list. And yeah, block them on all the social medias. Like you do not, or mute them at least. Like you do not need the reminder. Mm-hmm. Because every time you see them, every time you see them make a post, it's going to take like that much longer to start healing yeah. and getting over them. You know what I mean? Do you think it's okay to still be following exes when you're in a new relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I want to just like answer this question. Is it therapy Jeff approved? No. <laughs> it's so it's so hard because like there's so much it depends. It it depends is yeah. the answer. But what a boring fucking answer that is. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, yeah, I think it's fine. However, if my partner is having if my partner is having issues and they're feeling insecure and jealous about the exes that I follow, then fuck it. I'm not going to follow those exes. Why is it so important for me to follow them? Who gives a shit? Uh, If I'm seeing their posts and I'm getting like sad or missing them or it's making me feel confused, I'm not going to follow them anymore. Like, But if I can just actually see them and feel sort of curious about their life and not one way or the other when it comes to like big emotions, then, then it's fine. I think it's okay. But it's also like, I don't get to make that decision for you. You get to make that decision. Yeah. So that's why it depends. What do you think? No, I think, I mean, I think you would know if it's like, okay or not. Like if you feel like you are Mm -hmm. checking their Instagram every single day, like searching for them, then that's probably, it's probably like what you said, when you are still getting over someone or there's still some feelings there, then you Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't, you should probably remove them. Mm-hmm. I also do think I personally wouldn't like if my partner was like, I don't want you to follow this person that would just come off as controlling to me. But if they were like, it really bothers me, like, uh, like I just feel insecure about the fact that you follow them or just like something like that, then I probably would unfollow them. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's value in just telling your partner how you feel instead of saying like, I don't want you to follow them. Exactly. But if they yeah. like, care about your relationship, then hopefully they would not. So yeah, I agree <laughs> that it depends. It's not an easy answer. It depends, but it, it's, it's similar to the question question that I've like heard the most or that I've gotten the most, which is like, I'm a woman and my boyfriend follows a bunch of hot, like on Instagram and likes all their photos and I don't like it. What should I do? Yeah. And it's so, and my like answer is 
tell your boyfriend how you feel mm-hmm. and it's okay if you feel insecure. It's okay if you're comparing yourself to them. Like, I, I hope that you're not comparing yourself to these people, to these like fake Instagram models, whatever. But you should let your boyfriend like know the emotional experience that you're having when they're liking all these people so that they can make up their minds about whether or not it's that important to like or follow all these Instagram babes, right? And hopefully, and then yeah. the boyfriend, I'm just like, hey, just who fucking cares? Stop fucking following them. Who gives a shit? Like, why is it so important? Yeah. Are you willing to like hurt your partner or your girlfriend? Are you willing to like jeopardize your relationship? Do you want to get in the same goddamn fight forever? Because you feel like you want to, and, and, and you know, some of the people are just like, well, this feels really controlling. And it's like, well, it's not supposed to be it's just like this is how i feel now you get to make up your mind you know yeah yeah it's loaded though there's a lot of it depends in there it is really hard because i feel like there's like no equivalent on the other side like i no here actually here this is an interesting so i was talking about this on another podcast i don't know if this is an equivalent and i don't know how i feel about this i got like weird icky feelings, but I want to know how you feel about it. So same sort of situation, right? Boyfriend is liking all these like hot babes on Instagram. Girlfriend is feeling uncomfortable about it. Um, I was telling this to somebody and they were like, um, okay, if you're the girlfriend and you're asking your boyfriend to stop following all these people and liking them, then you have to in return not post any really sexy pictures of yourself. I thought it was going to be you have to send him sexy pictures of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad deal. Make him an album to look at when he needs pictures. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, yeah, a good good idea. We should probably just give that advice. (laughs) But it's a funny thing of like, well, are you allowed to tell your boyfriend that you feel uncomfortable while you're over here like trying to get validation or wanting to get validation by like posting suggestive photos and a part of me wanted to be like yeah you can like post all the sexy pictures you want and also still have like a jealous or insecure like we're complicated layered conflicting people that like hold two two different opposite truths at once or something i don't know um but i left that feeling confused like i don't know what the right answer is yeah yeah (laughs) I think a lot of people that are that would be bothered by it are probably not posting those types of pictures. I don't know. I I, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like are pro- they're probably not posting sexy pictures of themselves. But they're probably not. <laughs> Who knows? But then it went into the. But then that person was like, and also you should like dress modestly when you go out. And I was like, yeah, that's no. Like this is. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> this is going um, on a bad path. Yeah. <laughs> It is. But it's like, it's, it's an interesting conversation because it can go down so many paths and you, a lot of times we like invalidate our own stuff because we think that like, we're being really unattractive if we're like asking for our needs to be met or we're being really unattractive if we're like, um, showing some sort of insecurity or jealousy or something. But like jealousy is such a normal feeling there's nothing wrong with you. Like it happens, right? Yeah. I feel like it's like one of those emotions that you really try to hide in a relationship. And it's like, you should just tell them if you're feeling jealous, like why, like, it's not something like, I think a natural reaction is to be like, no, I'm not a jealous person. But like, if you are, it's kind of like being sensitive. It's like you are allowed to be sensitive. That's not a bad thing. It's like, you can tell someone you're sensitive. 
So I, I, I like that. I feel like it ties back to what we were saying in the beginning. It's like, you can ask for the things that you want. You can tell people how you feel like that's the way that you're going to work through those issues. So mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to go about it. I think so. And I think that if you tell somebody that you're insecure and that you're wanting reassurance, if you get that reassurance, you should uh, take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do that though. Sometimes, so, sometimes we ask for reassurance and then we get it and we're like, oh, this isn't working for me. And that's when maybe it's like uh, an even deeper issue. But if you're feeling jealous, you can ask your partner to help you out with that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we have a few listener questions that I'd love to close with. So I'm going to read them and then you can give me your thoughts. I'll weigh in also. The first one is I, female 32, have been dating a guy 32 for six weeks and just found out from a mutual friend that he's still going on dates with other people. Our relationship is not defined, but I assumed we were exclusive because we hang out at least two to three times per week and text every day. How do I bring it up? I mean, legally, he can date other people (laughs) before you define the relationship, right? (laughs) It doesn't make it 100% right. And it, you know, depends on what you want or whatever. But uh, it sounds like it's making you feel uneasy. Mm -hmm. And if you've been dating for six weeks and you see each other a couple times and text, you know, a couple times a week and text every day, like that feels pretty, you know, serious-ish, or at least it's kind of like headed in that direction. My rule is kind of like, if you learn a piece of information that makes you behave or act differently or feel differently towards your person, then they deserve to know. Mm. <laughs> so if she can take this information and be like, I'm, I'm just going to like keep hanging out and I'm not going to like feel resentful. I'm not going to feel extra anxious or whatever, then okay, maybe just keep on hanging out. But it sounds like it's bothering you. Yeah. And now the person deserves to know that you're bothered because you're going to start acting weird and they're not going to know why. Yeah. Right. And it's very reasonable, I think, after six weeks to have a check-in. And a check-in doesn't mean like we're checking in, you will never see anyone else ever again, and now we're married. (laughs) It means like, let's have a check-in to see if we're on the same page here. And are you dating anybody? Because if you are, let me know, and I'll adjust my expectations of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. How do you feel about it? I agree that this sounds like this relationship is headed in a good direction. And it's like normal for you to feel upset when you find out he's seeing someone else, especially with like the amount you've been hanging out. But I also don't think you should you should ever assume (laughs) that you're exclusive. So this is this is your opportunity to make that happen if you want it to. I always like to say, come at it saying I'm not seeing other people or like I'm at the point where I don't want to see other people and like kind of invite them to tell you where they are at. Like same as what you're saying, like this, this conversation isn't you saying like we're exclusive right now and we're getting married Mm -hmm. it's like this is what I want to be like where are you at and then I can kind of open up the door for that Mm -hmm. but I also feel like I would be like a little bit uneasy even getting into a relationship with this person now like I know it's not assumed but it just feels like so strange to me that like personally I just wouldn't like I feel like it's that they're still seeing other people when you are still when you're seeing each other so much and it seems like it's headed in that direction so it's definitely worth the conversation but I feel like it's like a little bit weird, especially if you have a mutual friend. It's like they knew you were going to find that out. So it That's just seems true. a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little strange. It's funny because like I said earlier, like legally you can't get mad at him, but emotionally right. you can still feel hurt and that's valid. Mm-hmm. Like your, your feelings are real. And if it feels like a more committed relationship or you're assuming that 
you're not seeing anybody, then maybe you've been led to assume that Mm -hmm. maybe he's done something. He's like been a little bit secretive, a little bit, you know, like not letting you know where he's at. So it's not, I'm I'm not, I don't want to like blame anybody, but he's just as culpable. Like he probably helped to create this story. I'm imagining that like, you know, he wants you to feel safe and he doesn't want you to know that he's dating anybody else. He could have been a lot more upfront from the start of like, just want to let you know that like, I'm still on the apps. I'm still on, you know, and if you ever want to change that, let's have a talk about it. But he was a little silent about it, you know, so he doesn't get off the hook here. Yeah. Do you think you would, when you bring it up, do you think you would say that you heard he was seeing other people or would you just use that as an opportunity to bring up the exclusivity thing? Um, I probably, yeah, I'd probably just be truthful about how I got that information just because it's best honesty is best policy in this sort of situation. Yeah, I'd start with that. Would you? I think so. I feel like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to not say it. <laughs> Unless yeah. a friend like told me not to. I, I don't know. Right, right, right. That's uh, yeah. uh, good luck. Let us know how it goes. Okay, we'll do one more. Um, let's see. I, female 30, have been in a relationship for about 10 months and he still hasn't said I love you. I can tell his feelings for me are strong and he shows it in other ways, but I can feel myself I can feel myself starting to second guess a relationship and how serious he is about me because he hasn't said it. I know I should just say it if I feel it, but I selfishly want to hear it from him unprompted. What do I do? Do I ask why he hasn't said it yet? Do you think 10 months is too long to not say I love you? Are you asking me or the listener? <laughs> I'm asking you. I I think it's a long time. I think, I mean, every relationship is different and I feel like people carry different meanings behind those words. Like some people probably have never said it before in a relationship. Other people might have said it and then had a bad experience or they just say it to everybody. Like I don't, everyone has a different feeling about it. I feel like I read a study once that it was like most couples say it in three to five months. Mm, I think was what I, right. what I read. And I've done polls on it before. And like the majority of people say less than six months. So 10 months feels a little bit long, but I don't know what I would do in this situation. I feel like I would ask why he hasn't said it, but I feel like that's not the right thing. I think you should say it. <laughs> right. I feel like I would probably be like, why haven't you said it yet? And it would be in like a, <laughs> a moment of frustration. <laughs> Well, it's such a risk to say, why haven't you said it? Because he could easily be like, you didn't say it either, babe. Like, I could ask you the same fucking question. Maybe he's like so sad that you haven't said it yet, you know? So you're both feeling really Mm -hmm. bummed. Or maybe you're just really unlovable and that's why he hasn't (laughs) said it. Or there's something deeply wrong with you. Maybe you're kind of a fucking asshole. You don't deserve the love. Have you ever thought about that? It's an option. Yeah. I would say it. I would tell her to just say it, to say, I love Mm -hmm. you. Really just put it out there. Be brave. Uh, One of you has to be brave first. Might as well be you if it's like Mm -hmm. really bothering you. Uh, Like I said, you know, in the last question, if it's something that's like getting on your nerves and maybe you're acting or behaving differently around him because of it, then you should say it. And if you can't say, I love you, then can you can you bring it up? Ugh, it's tricky because like sort of there's a part of me that wants you to bring it up in a way of like, oh, I feel worried or insecure or hurt that you haven't said it yet. But you can also try to like bring it up in like a playful yeah. way with like levity. I have no idea how you would do that in this situation, yeah. but <laughs> I don't know. Like this is it's it's gone on for 10 months. That's a long time in my book without saying I love you. So feeling anxious about it is normal. Yeah. And I think that that's like, 
it just makes me wonder if you're having conversations about the future, because I feel like that's like one this I think she said it's making her second guess their relationship. So it's like, mm-hmm. are there other things maybe playing into that? Like, I feel like this could be an opportunity to talk about those things. But what I think you should do is I agree, you should say it. And I think maybe just like, don't put a lot of weight on like planning when you're going to say it and everything like that. I honestly think next time you feel it, I'm sure you feel it in certain moments. If he does something stupid or funny, and like you just want to say it, I think just say it then and like, just let it come out naturally next time you feel it. And then Hopefully he says it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although the like the the I know that for me personally, when I'm in relationships and we haven't said I love you yet, um, you say all those really stupid fucking things like I like yeah. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh and it and like I love that shit. I love the like I mm-hmm. like you and I think you're really great where you're like you want to say it but you're not saying it yet and there's this like tension, this lovey-dovey tension that's built up and mm-hmm. who's going to be the one that says it. And for me personally, I always want to be the one that says it, but I want to say it right before you can't not yeah. say it. Like I just want to like mm-hmm. get as much like fun loving like anticipation out of it as I possibly can. But that doesn't usually last. I usually say it in like three to four months into a relationship. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you said that because I feel the same way. I love that time in the beginning of a relationship when you're like saying all those things that aren't quite, I love you. And then you're waiting for them to say it or like just ready to say it. But I, I, I don't want to like speculate this, but I almost feel like like 10 months in, it's kind of usually like not as like, I know you don't have that. You know what I mean? So I almost feel like they like don't have that time anymore. So it's like now it like feels like such a built up serious thing where it's like, you don't, I'm not saying you stop loving someone after 10 months. Like obviously you're just going to keep <laughs> loving them more and more. But I feel like that like kind of like fun aspect of it might kind of fade at that point. So it probably, you're probably putting a lot of weight on it. That's why I think just like next time you feel it, just say it. No, I think you're clearly saying nobody's in love after 10 months. I think that's the <laughs> message. And that's a little problematic, honestly. you think honestly. he's not in love? <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think you're <laughs> you right, think I actually. Think <laughs> I think that I, this relationship is definitely salvageable and it can be okay. Yeah. But I agree that, like, there's this opportunity, this, you know, mm-hmm. three to six month, like, time. Yeah, where, like, you could have said it and, and you know... Or and and it would have been like a lot more sweet and loving and playful. And now Mm -hmm. if you say it now, it's probably going to be great. But it's also like a relief, like, oh, thank fucking God, you know, like we finally did this. Yeah. And like you kind of said before, I think, like, are there other things in the relationship Mm. that are getting pushed back where you're not talking about the future or you're not doing any planning or something like this is probably the not saying I love you might be symbolic for it's just the start of it. All right. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we didn't even cover a quarter of what I wanted to talk no, about. So I'll have to have you back again. But tell everybody where yes. they can find you, where they can pre-order the book and where they can follow you. Yeah. I also have a podcast, a new podcast called Big Dating Energy, which is the same name as my book, Big Dating Energy. You can go to therapyjeff.com or Amazon or whatever, Barnes and Noble to order, to pre-order the book. And the book comes out on July 9th 
And if you pre-order the book, then you're like doing me such a big solid. It's like pre-orders are such a big deal in the publishing world. Um, So please consider doing that. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Therapy Jeff, obviously. That's it. Amazing. And I'm going to link all of that in the show notes. And I cannot wait to read the book. You're going to love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 